how do you actually kind of meet the consumer where they're at and help them have the best experience? Because we all know like we're, there's so many channels out there now. We're all tasked with doing more with less. How do you make sure you're kind of meeting them where they're at? So, you know, following up with a couple of different types of communication, see what what kind of path someone's taking and then try to tailor their response to what they've told you about themselves, essentially, where to your point, I think back in the day, it was like automated emails was like loosely like what we thought about when you or text messages, I guess, with with marketing automation. So it is interesting to think about the the evolution of uh, where we've come in terms of tools, but also just the mindset and what we're ultimately trying to accomplish. Welcome to Attention Retention, a special podcast series on how to attract, enroll, retain, and empower the modern learner. Brought to you in partnership with our friends at Archer Education. Over the course of this series, we will cover higher ed's product problem and discuss how to fix it, the challenges with major and program relevance in today's dynamic market, how to successfully attract, enroll, and retain adult learners, and how to compete in a market when your school doesn't have a national brand. This series is co-hosted with Angie Moore, the Senior Vice President of Student Engagement, and Clayton Dean, the Senior Vice President of Agency and Partnership Management at Archer. And also with yours truly, Zach Buzicruz here from Enrollify. Attention Retention is comprised of six episodes, but the content doesn't need to be consumed sequentially. That said, if you want to listen in chronological order, be sure to scroll on down to the show notes where you'll find every episode listed and linked. Getting attention is hard enough, so once you have it, you've got to do everything that you can to harness it. And that's what our friends at Archer Education help schools do so dang well. Well, you'll get a taste of some of their ideas on how to optimize marketing and recruitment strategies over the course of the series in order to really learn more about how Archer revolutionizes the student experience through marketing, enrollment, and retention services, you'll want to check out the content hub that they built exclusively for Enrollify subscribers. You can find this content hub at archeredu.com forward slash Enrollify. Again, that's archeredu.com forward slash Enrollify. All right, without further ado... Welcome to Attention Retention. All right, friends, how are we doing? Angie, how are you? Doing great. Doing well, Zach. Clayton's doing great, Thanks too. Thanks for having so us. Everyone's doing great, guys. Um, yeah, we're all good. I, uh, it's, it's, it's like the summer now, which is kind of crazy, and it's super, super hot. What's, what's the weather like where you're at, Angie? Clay and I were just complaining about how freaking hot it is in D.C. and Florida, but how about, how about yeah. you? I thought everyone had this heat wave going on. Yeah, it's been like in the hundreds all last week. Pretty miserable. And there's no water around here. So as you can imagine, <laughs> I live in at the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, it's it's terrible when you like walk outside and then it looks like you just like went for like a 10 mile run or something and you've like walked 10 steps. That's when it's just like, no, like it's I'm sweating profusely. I'm just staying inside. I'm not going to go out. Also, our AC has been like really like funky lately and so it just like like the thermostat won't go below like 75 so it's like <laughs> super hot anyways hey uh, at least we're not in uh in london was the hottest ever and no one has AC. air conditioning that's so true. you can imagine count your blessings yeah, that's like... sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well i'm excited for you know? uh, our conversation today guys we're going to be talking about 
in uh, really sort of the power of marketing automation and how it how to use it effectively within the context of marketing and admissions in, in higher ed. And I thought to like kick us off, it'd be fun to just share a little bit about kind of like our, our best and worst experiences of of marketing automation and encountering it. So uh, mm-hmm. whether it's like a, a, a brand that has done it really well or like when you went to buy a product and it was really terrible, what are some of like, you know, the best and worst experiences each of you have had with, with marketing automation? And Clayton, let's start with you and then uh, we can punt over to you, Angie. So it was funny. Like, I, I think I, I encounter this and I, when I started being more aware of it, I think you know, especially as we've done a lot more on the marketing automation side, I start paying a lot more attention to this. So, and Zach, I know, you know, the Airbnb space really well. And I know we were just talking about this, but this is one that pops up in my head uh, just because of the recency. So the last four months I've been, you know, living out of Airbnbs and, you know, just move my family and all that. Um, I think they nail the marketing automation. I think it's personalized. It's, you know, it's um, super relevant to, mm. to what I'm doing and, and the actions I'm taking. But what I've noticed is I've been living at, kind of in an Airbnb at a month month at a time. Their marketing automation ramps up as I'm more engaged and ramps down as I'm not. Like mm. when they know either they know I'm either in a property or they know I'm, my interest has kind of waned a little bit. So I've, I've been really impressed with their with their work and it's not overbearing you know, so I, that's one that just stuck out to me immediately because I, you know, the recency of it. But yeah, I've been paying more attention to it, and I, you know, I, I definitely know who some of the, you know, the the players are who aren't doing it as effectively. And I think it highlights some of the, you know, the larger issues with marketing automation um, in terms of like, you know, it, it's one thing to set it up, but it's another thing to actually make it work well and 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 really resonate with your audience. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great example, and I, I do feel like, yeah, the the balance between how how much to pass for someone because you know a value of marketing automation too is to reengage people who have kind of like you know fallen off or they've forgotten about your brand or they haven't been as active. But there is a fine line between like badgering them to kingdom come right versus like understanding contextually like where they're at in in the buyer's journey so yeah i i would reiterate i i hadn't thought about airbnb but you're right they do it they do a sick job like if if i go and i like look at san diego one day i look at a couple of san diego homes the next day in my inbox are just like eight different you know 10 different san diego homes that i might be interested in um so yeah that they're they're pretty good at that what about you angie any uh any brands come to mind yeah i think it's funny too just sitting here listening to both of you like similar to kind of how I'm looking at this or thinking about it is I might have unpopular opinions about it because I'm a marketer at heart and, you know, I am in kind of marketing automation all day, every day. So I kind of look at it with this lens of like an appreciation for it. Hmm. But I think one thing that you guys both said that just kind of stuck with me and, and, or stood out to me and something that my team and I talk about all the time is just this idea of like, you know, if you aren't in marketing or don't pay that much attention, what, what Clayton described as like ramping up when you're engaged and ramping down when you're not, you may not even notice that. It just feels like this brand's being really intuitive to like your, you know, usage or your engagement patterns. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and I agree that uh, Airbnb does a great job. So one that came to mind for me, I just really like when, when things can be recommended again, I just, I don't know if this is a popular or unpopular opinion, right? Because there's a whole camp of people that are like, I don't like things, ads being served to me. But (laughs) 
if they can be really tailored to what I've been browsing and what I like and what I'm looking to buy, like I actually really appreciate that. So whether it's on the site itself or in the follow-up communication that I might get, or even on retargeting, you know, and retargeting ads on social, like they might be annoying from time to time, but they also work. And I feel like even as a marketer, I fall, fall quote unquote fall for them because I'm buying this stuff. But so one brand that comes to mind for me is I'm like constantly, um, you know, decorating and redecorating and designing and redesigning either my own house or other people, <laughs> uh, my friends, I'm like just doing that for them. Um, they don't ask me to, but I just jump in. <laughs> but uh, no, so like a, a one that comes to mind is like Wayfair. They also own All Modern. And so if I'm on the site looking for like dining chairs, as an example, they'll obviously be serving me products that are related to what I'm looking at. But like a day or two later, I'll get an email promotion or a text message, usually email that's like really specific to a dining chair sale dining chair excuse me sale or just you know that whole communication is tailored to what i was looking at versus being just you know they're like typical here's all of our stuff here's what's on sale type of approach so yeah i think you know the tailoring and personalized approach um always stands out to me as as the best yeah yeah um, you know you know what's interesting is if you think of like airbnb and wafer i think the the one thing they have working on their side, they probably have a huge team dedicated to like, yeah. you know, tagging, tracking the infrastructure. So it's like, I think these are great examples, but also highlights like, I don't, there's just so much behind the, the work that goes in and the testing for them to really get this right. And I know Airbnb, there's something called Lenny's newsletter. I don't know if you've, you guys have ever come across that, but Lenny is a former um, product guy from Airbnb. And he releases a newsletter on Substack, but he talks about all the strategy behind Airbnb and other brands and how they how they build these consumer brands, how they build these nurturing and, and you know, remarketing um, campaigns and just everything behind the product. And, um, you know, he so he t yeah, that's where I've like I've read a little bit about what Airbnb does, but I think it just emphasizes, you know, how much goes into this. And it's I think those brands are like literally the peak of what you can accomplish here. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's hard to do what it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to do what they do, man. It's, it's very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Airbnb is like, it's its own search engine essentially at this point, that's all that goes into it. But mm -hmm. what you said, I think makes me think, you know, how many times we've had this conversation or especially, you know, 10 years ago where it's like, oh, you want to market a program online to everywhere in the country? Like some of the big brands, like you're actually going to have to spend millions and millions of dollars to like think about what's realistic. So just made me think yep. of that. Like it's a, it's a similar kind of conversation, like with the right resources and money, you could build uh, some really sophisticated marketing automation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. Yep. No, and I love how you both like jumped to the extremes of like, like the best of the best. Because like, I was thinking, like, I was thinking like, you know, when I think of the first thing I think of when it comes to marketing automation is like, simply being enrolled in like some sort of like workflow or some sort of like, uh, I fill out a form on a website, right? And then I get a thank you trigger email. Technically speaking, like that is an automated marketing task, right? 
Um, and yet yep. now we're talking about like some of the some of the best in the business with some of the most like robust like complex uh, algorithms that uh, are they're leveraging to perform these very highly uh, personalized user experiences. So uh, before before we go like too much further, just just for the folks that are are tuning in that might not total that might be thinking marketing automation is a thank you trigger email, and now they're hearing like oh wow like if I want to do marketing automation I have to be like Airbnb. Like how do you guys each define marketing automation and like how I maybe maybe to put a, a little bit more color on it like how how do you define it within the context of higher ed? Well, it's funny. I think it's hard not to answer this without using the word automate. I don't think about that for a minute. Like, so like without using the word we're trying to define without right? people. So yeah. to me, you know, so it's, it, to me, it's, um, you know, it's leveraging technology or software that's usually based on trigger or some action, um, you know, where, you know, it's a mechanism of either, series of engagements or touch points, whether that's through email, text, um, you know, remarketing, there's a lot of different ways to, to, you know, a lot of different touch points you can utilize within that. But, um, and really with the end goal of either improving the experience of the user and deliver and more effectively delivering what they want, right. Where, um, you know, where it might take a lot of work in order to do that. Um, or enabling your team, maximizing the time of your team and, 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 um, you know, creating something that will uh, be a, as efficient as possible into your, into your team's workflow. Last week, I finally finished season two of Ted Lasso. When the series had come to an end, it was only 9.45 p.m., which meant I had a solid 45 minutes before it was time to go to sleep. I don't know if there was a glitch in the recommendation algorithm or something, but there was no opportunity to keep watching Apple TV. I was engaged, I wasn't ready to go to bed. I was willing to give Apple more of my time because I wanted more lasso-like content in my life, but they led me to a dead end. So I left and started browsing Netflix instead. And while the journey to enrollment for a student is quite different from binging an Emmy award-winning TV series, all institutions and streaming services actually care about the same thing. And that thing is attention. If you work in student recruitment, you're in the market for eyeball time. You're not just competing with other institutions, you're competing with every brand that's in the market for views, clicks, and scrolls from your target audience. Getting attention is hard enough. So once you have it, you've gotta do everything that you can to harness it. And that's what our friends at Archer Education help schools do so dang well. Archer is pioneering a new era in personalized student recruitment through its story-driven and technology-enabled approach that's designed to support the entire enrollment process. And one of the ways that Archer is doing this is through Onward, their digital experience platform. Onward is a dead-end squasher. It's a choose-your-own-adventure-style experience that replaces your static thank-you pages with an always-on system that pre-qualifies every prospect, so your admissions team can focus their efforts on those inquiries that are engaged right now. Onward is the secret in the toolbox of top-performing admissions teams. It's the attention optimizer that keeps prospects engaged and inspires them to offer more context about who they are, what they want, and when they're looking to enroll. To 
learn more about how to harness attention when it's hot, visit archereducation.com forward slash Enrollify. Again, that's archereducation.com forward slash Enrollify. Oh, and if you're struggling to get attention from prospects, the Archer team has a plethora of digital advertising solutions in their arsenal that'll help you reach the precise students that you're looking for. And if you haven't discovered it already, Enrollify and Archer have partnered on a brand new podcast series called Attention Pretension. Learn more about attention retention wherever you get your podcasts or at podcast.enrollify.org. Get attention, keep attention, hit your enrollment targets. Visit archereducation.com forward slash enrollify to learn more. I feel like like when marketing automation first came around, right? At least like like as far back as I can remember it was like I, I remember I remember like being tricked into thinking like there was an there was actually a human that was sending me an email right like or it was actually a human that was like behind this like live chat like this like chat bot right and then Mm -hmm. i I distinctly remember even like my my mom and my grandma like in in the early days of like email marketing right having to like help them understand that no, no 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 like you filled out this form and like Jeff isn't actually responding to you. Like this is an automated email from Jeff. And every time you go and hit reply, like, and you, you say, Hey Jeff, where's my dining chairs, right? From Wayfair. It's not actually Jeff that's getting that email. And like the, the concept was so foreign. Right. Um, and I, I feel like, like that, that was like, that was like the fledgling stages of, of marketing automation was almost like trying to trick the consumer that like yep. there is, there's a real person here when there, when there's not. And now we're living in an age where I would say like, Marketing automation is really trying to empower operators, customer, customer service representatives, in, in your case, admissions counselors and enrollment marketers, with the information that they need to understand how best and most effectively to use their time right now. Like, so it's evolved away yep. from like trying to convince people of something and more, hey, how do, we, how do we leverage really, really, really smart tools to maximize the output of our, of our team? and to deliver as personalized of a of user experience as possible without tricking, you know, the user or leading them to believe that there's somebody there when when there's not cuz consumers and, and users are just a lot smarter than they were even like a decade ago. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think when when you were kind of getting coming to the conclusion of what you're saying, I think there's this idea well, a I think first of all like as people in marketing, I think, you know, to, to just bring up marketing automation as such a broad topic, it does mean something different, so many different things to many different people, especially yeah. like on the consumer side of it. And I feel like sometimes it's just not a fair question to ask people in marketing <laughs> automation, like, what is it? And how do you think about it? But I completely agree with this shift of, you know, it was creating scale, which is certainly still a piece of it, right? But, but how do you actually kind of meet the consumer where they're at and help them have the best experience because we all know like we're there's so many channels out there now we're all tasked with doing more with less how do you make sure you're kind of meeting them where they're at so you know following up with a couple of different types of communication see what what kind of path someone's taking and then try to tailor the response to what they've told you about themselves essentially where to your point i think back in the day it was like automated emails was like loosely like what we thought about when you or text messages i guess with with marketing automation so it is interesting to think about the the evolution of uh where we've come in terms of tools but also just the mindset and what we're ultimately trying to accomplish you know what's interesting 
so like three or four years ago, we started building a, a chatbot to utilize for, and it was just something that kind of happened naturally where we're like, you know what, our, our partners need, um, you know, need some kind of solution. They, they don't have the FTEs in order to, to manage a manual one. We have a great content team. We, we did a lot, ton of research around NLP and trying to figure that out. But you're right. We were, we were trying to pretend to be a person. Even then, that was kind of the expectation. Yeah, yeah. But, but I wonder even post-COVID, like, I really do think consumer, like the expectation is just different. It's how do you get me from point A to point B as quickly and as efficiently as possible, yeah. right? So it's like, I do think in a, even a two-year span of time, the consumer expectation and I think you're like, like you mentioned how smart consumers have gotten in that experience has kind of shifted. And I think it's made our job easier to be honest, like, cause when you're trying to be a person, that's a, that's a really tough thing to do when you're trying yeah. to automate and, and create an experience that's genuine when it's a, you know, it's an AI driven responder on a chat bot. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think it's, I think in a way it's made our job a little bit easier, but I do think it's, um, you know, I, I do think the consumer, as they've gotten smarter there, they also have a higher expectation of that personalization too, though, right? Like, you better yeah, know what say, I want, where I need to go, you know? Sorry, Clayton, I was just going to say, you no. know what's not fair about what you're saying is that right, consumer expectations, uh, prospective student expectations have shifted so much that, you know, there is like this expectation that you as an institution or that we could deliver what Airbnb and what Wayfair deliver, yeah. right? Oh, so yeah. like totally, totally. So how how do you how do you kind of bridge that gap <laughs> in being able to deliver a personalized experience that that isn't, you know, just using automation, but truly just thinking about the experience of the person on the other end um, without having to have the most robust, sophisticated tools and solutions out there. Yeah. I know. Um, it's oh, a great point. I was just going to say one simple thing that comes to mind. I was talking to a a student. They were a high school senior. So they and they had already decided where they were going to go to college, but they were telling me a little bit about their college search. And one of the, the things that they were complaining about was like they had, had they had a question about a program that they were interested in and they DM'd the school on Instagram. And then somebody, you know, probably from the, the marketing team, the social team responded saying like, hey, you know, Clayton, great question. Mm -hmm. um, uh, here's the email for the admissions office that you can, you know, you can contact them. So then the student went, they copied the, the email address. They wrote an email to admissions. They hit send. Two days later, the admissions counselor responds and says, hey, great question. Let me put you in touch with this faculty member, <laughs> right? And they, oh, they sent it off to the faculty <laughs> member. And the student was complaining, like, literally it took a week to get an answer to to this student's question. Um, and what, what's, what, what, as we're talking about marketing automation, what I think about, like, this was a very determined student, clearly. Like, I don't know that I would have been that patient or that most prospects would have been that patient. And yet there are, mm -hmm, there right. are tools, right? that helps centralize all inboxes of communication so that at any point in time, anyone on your team can understand like what messages have come in, who, you know, who have, um, who's responded to who and like, what are, what are these questions? And it helps sort of like, you know, reduce a lot of that friction. You could even from there connect that, connect a tool like this to your CRM and have some sort of automated email go out saying like, hey, admission, you know, pinging admissions counselor. Hey, admissions counselor, we got another DM from somebody on Instagram asking the same question. Mm -hmm. Here's all their contact information. Please proactively reach out to them within the next 12 hours or whatever it is. 
And so I feel yeah. like within the context of exactly. higher education, while like becoming an Airbnb is probably very unlikely for most institutions anytime in the next few years, you know, tackling this one step at a, at a time, identifying a problem and saying like, how do we get a quicker response to a student that DMs us on Instagram? Like that's a very tangible and very specific way of problem solving that I do think just mm-hmm. about every institution could do in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I know. I think that's such a good point. Um, one thing that, you know, Clayton and I were talking about um, earlier was just this idea of, you know, the, the tools really are there to help you implement a communication strategy or a communications plan, right? Or in this case, even taking it a step further to say, like, what's your customer experience strategy and plan? And so, you know, before you just dive into all these different tools and platforms to utilize, thinking about, okay, if someone has a question, no matter where it comes from, what would we want our response timeline and communication path to look like and really map this out, right? And once you have kind of this ultimate kind of map or plan um, and granted it's a starting point, right? Like you'll miss some things for sure, but then what kinds of tools and, um, and you know, what are, whether it's automation tools or whatever, could you use to actually accomplish this versus where I think a lot of, a lot of times it's easy to just look at the tools and say, how could I use this tool? What could this tool do for me versus how does this tool actually help me implement my strategy or my plan? Um, I think it's, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think it's easy to get caught up in like what's sexy, what you hear about other schools using, right. In terms of technology, it's super easy trap to fall into, but I think, and I've seen, I don't know, millions of dollars wasted on technology that's poorly implemented. I think Uh, you know, it's just kind of, it's something that happens all the time in our world. Um, So I think like taking stock of that, what's realistic? What are those baseline, you know, what's that baseline experience you want to deliver? You may not need the Ferrari, right? You might need, you know, a Mustang instead that'll power what you need to happen, right? Like maybe, uh, maybe a hub, you know, using HubSpot, which you can make HubSpot as complicated as you want, but you can also keep it relatively simple and digestible yeah. and scale it up as you build. Right. So, you know, a tool like that might work really well. Salesforce can, you know, sometimes you need to hire somebody to effectively manage that thing. Right. So it's um, yeah, I think taking stock of what's realistic, what are those fundamental questions or problems you need to solve questions you need to answer um, and just what's realistic, you know, a lot of everybody's structured so differently. So it's hard to answer that broadly, but yeah. you know, I think that's a, some good questions to ask. Yeah. And I think, I think a good framework, um, that I'd love to kind of explore right now is like uh, breaking this up into categories, right? So like when, why, why would a school want to take marketing automation seriously? Like what are, what are some reasons, right? Why they might be interested in, in even the conversation that we're having right now, probably reason number one is that their team, their staff has like a ton, a, a ton to do and not enough time to do it. Right. The staff is overwhelmed. There's two, you know, they, they don't have the budget to just hire three more people for their admissions team, right? Like they're, they're overwhelmed, everyone's overworked and they need to find a way to use technology and to leverage smart strategy to reduce the Mm -hmm. amount of time that people are spending doing what I'll just call like basic, like level one tasks. Right. So I feel like there, there are people that are listening to this that kind of fall into that camp. Like they're not necessarily trying to build a sophisticated Airbnb marketing automation like platform and experience. What they're really trying to do is like, how can I prevent Angie from having to like manually send an email every time a new inquiry comes through, you know, the the pipeline or comes through a form, right? 
So mm-hmm. I uh, let, let's start with sort of like the basic route, like like that that roughly that scenario. You know, smallish team, slightly under resourced. They are really just trying to make sure that they're using their team members, um, their, their team members' time in in the most effective and, and efficient ways as possible. How do you all think about like how would you advise and consult this team? Uh, get off the ground with respect to leveraging and you don't have to talk about specific tools you could talk about specific tools but just from like a strategy standpoint how should that team go about thinking through how they might be able to automate some of their some of their tasks yeah I think that's a great question Um, so the way I kind of look at it is bucketing it into two kind of categories there's like what is the actual kind of communication path? Like, what do you want to say and when? And then kind of how sophisticated do you need to be with the tools to like implement that? So I'd say like, if you're a beginner or, you know, just starting at the basics and also, you know, thinking about too, uh, this kind of good, better bust or crawl, walk, run strategy yeah, yeah. too. Like I would always suggest kind of mapping out what you think like the, the, you know, pie in the sky, best case scenario would look like so that you can kind of build to it and scale to that. Um, and the reason I bring that up is just so many times that when I've been in, in the past in my career on smaller teams, you're kind of, you kind of take this short term approach of let's build this. And then once you're ready for the next step, well, we don't have the right kind of platform or infrastructure to actually stack on top of it. Now we have to like tear that all down and go build something new. Yeah. So just always keep that in the back of your head. But the way I would look at it is like the, the simplest thing you can do to just, you know, create more efficiencies and of time and scale is to just kind of map out, okay, when, when a new inquiry comes in, what do we want that communication strategy to look like? We want to contact them on day one, you know, day three, day five, et cetera. And these are the types of information we think we need to serve to those students to help them, you know, they've asked for more information. What do we feel like they need? So things like how much it costs, what's the time commitment? Um, how is the outcome related to like their career goals or, you know, you may not know that. So just, you know, here are some common, you know, career goals. Um, how do you apply and enroll? Just some of those common questions that you want to answer. And they don't even at this point, I think thinking, you know, from the beginner mindset, they don't necessarily even need to be program specific. I'd say like, that's kind of your phase too, right? Just build this infrastructure to support like, so that you set, like you said, like you don't have an admissions rep that has to send each one of these emails, text messages, um, you know, follow-up communications. You can even build in some like ringless voicemail and things like that. And then you can start to, you know, build that into some really simple tools. Like a lot of CRMs today would actually allow you to do things like triggered communications based on when a lead comes in and what that lead status is. So for example, someone's sitting in new lead status or we're attempting to contact them. This is our, you know, kind of strategy for contacting those students. Here's the kind of messaging we want to put in front of them. I'd say that's your like basic baseline, you know, when they've started their application, here's that track. When they've submitted their application, here's that track. To me, that's a, that's a good foundation to kind of build from. I know that's like super specific, but that's, you know, that's how I like to think about it is what can you build? That's just a good foundation to, to then grow and get more sophisticated from yeah. And, and what, if I could just summarize what I, what I feel like I, I heard you say too, is like wh- anything that requires somebody from your team to have to respond to immediately, like that, that's, that's level one, like find ways to generate some sort of automated response. Even if you still need to follow up with them with a more personalized touch, you know, later, great. 
But if there's any, if there is any like pathway that somebody that a prospective student can come into your system now that requires a individual to see that that form submission, right, and then have to manually respond, fix you know fix all of that right now. Like that's that's like basic kind of like level one. Level two is getting a little bit more intentional and specific about what those triggered follow-up communications might be and might look like. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And, you know, level three then is like segmentation, you know, based on Mm -hmm. program types or creative. Yep. The one thing I'll just add to what you've said, even just in building a case for like why you might need a tool like this at the basic level is like contact rates today, right? Like how many people are you able to get on the phone as a percentage of leads that come in, yeah, you know, compared to like a year ago, two yeah. years ago, three years ago, we've got to do a better job of meeting prospective students where they're at. And so to your point, you can't expect a human to be, okay, I'm going to call them, I'm going to email, I'm going to text, I'm going to do that. You know, like we have to put some of these, you know, triggered communications in place just to even figure out how to best reach someone, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and if you think about the the old adage, speed to lead, it's speed to engagement is what we, we like to talk about. Mm, I like that. And, and kind of going back to your point, Zach, the, the consumer, they, you know, or, or I, I think Angie might've talked about it too. The, the consumer expects a, an experience that is immediate and gets them what they need quickly. Right. And I think when they don't get an email for two days or a phone call for a week, or, you know, if it's, if it's not consistent, you know, think of your, I think the best way to think about it is what are your, you know, what are your peers doing in the market? Right. I think it's good to take stock of that. Like, who are you, who you would consider as, you know, kind of your competitors that you're, that you're competing for, for students and what are they doing? And maybe, maybe start there, right? Like, can you, can you personalize the message a bit more? Can you, can you engage with them more quickly and deliver more value to them more quickly? Right. Can you, put together a, you know, a welcome video that talks about their experience in the online classroom that will allow them to go a little deeper. Right. So it's like, what are the, what are the little things you can do to, to engage with them and, and um, you know, just kind of take it a step further than what you see your, your peers do yeah. in the market. Yeah. What I love about Clayton, that. The, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Angie. All right. The secret shopping thing. I think that's a great idea too. Um, and Zach, I think I saw a tweet from you recently that you had gone out and done this for a few different programs just to see what you'd get. It really is interesting to see, I think kind of to the earlier conversation, like, you know, how um, sophisticated it can be and how like plain and simple it can be still today. It's kind of all over the place, but you can really start to gauge like where you're at in, in, you know, compared to some of the, you know, schools in your area that you might be competing for students with and just see like, if there's one thing I can do to get better, it might be this, this, and or this one thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then start to just stack on top of that. Of like where, where do these opportunities lie for sure? Well, that's and, a good point. Yeah. And, and the whole point, right. Of marketing automation should be to deliver a better user experience. Right. And so like, if exactly. you are, yep. if you go and you enroll in some sort of secret shopper experiment and you, and you're specifically looking at a competitor, find beyond just kind of one thing you can implement into your own context what what are the gaps like what are they not yeah. doing well like or what what is only okay and how could you leverage marketing automation to do it even better to deliver a better experience right and i think like that's that's all maybe that's a little bit more advanced but again 
thinking about marketing automation as a vehicle through which to better personalize the student's uh, journey to enrollment, like and beyond, that is the that is the point. That is the like the most important point. Automating tasks yep. so that your team can spend time doing other things, like that's also good, but it's second to yep. to sort of like you know the the primary objective, which is again to personalize the the student experience. Oh, absolutely. And- yeah, and I would say that when we talk about like the, uh, you know, like the ultimate, the third level of that, I think that personalization is, I think that's really where you unlock the value, but I think that's also a bit harder to implement. That's when the infrastructure and what Angie's point about building up to that are really critical. Because you, if you think about that, it's, you know, tracking mechanisms, you're tagging, ev- like everything has to be perfectly aligned and in place for that to work well, right? Otherwise, that's you know, it, it's, it's really tough to unlock that value. And that's ultimately like the work Angie's doing with our onward um, technology. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what, what we set out to build was yeah. how can we create an experience where a student is engaged? You know, I think we, we talked about this in a previous episode of like engaging them with them on a really deep level, right. It's sticking out in their news feed or whatever it is. And we we're personalizing that message when we get them into the into the experience, you know, post RFI, a lot of times that falls flat. So for us, we're like, how can we leverage technology to feed? We know we're targeting these, you know, six or seven audience groups, and we know what they care about on an individual level. How do we continue that conversation? So we built literally built a product where we can feed them into that experience that is consistent with what initially drew them into the experience and deliver customized content based on you know, different triggers and questions they're answering and area, you know, ways they're going, we're delivering experience that is designed to continue to build and, and continue to engage with them on a deeper level. Right. Um, y'all add to that, just like one area, you know, you, you mentioned if, if you're secret shopping, they kind of be, look for the gaps. And I think one gap that, that we see every day that this product was actually built to help, you know, with the immediacy of engagement is, Someone's, you know, on your website, filling out a contact form. Hey, I'm really interested. I want to learn more. And what do they typically get served? Like a static thank you page. It's kind of like the experience you described earlier, where it's like a little flat. You're saying you want information and someone's like, well, we'll get back to you. Just hold on, hold on a minute. And by a minute it can be hours, days, you know, I've seen it take even longer, unfortunately. So how could you actually like deliver something immediate for students to start engaging with? that's really built for where they're at. So you don't want to send them back to your, um, you know, main website where they can get lost down probably 10 different rabbit holes. You don't want to send them back to the landing page. They just converted on like, that's a circular, you know, like help me get Mm -hmm. more information. So how could you actually deliver them, you know, engaging content like Clayton was uh, speaking about earlier, like videos about, you know, student success stories, really robust, uh, in more in-depth information about the application process and how to enroll or like, what are all the different financing options? Like really helping someone understand um, not only how to take the next step, but anything that they could kind of self-serve and get their hands on just to even build that engagement and get them thinking, okay, I'm really interested. I want, you know, I want to talk to somebody about this. So I think looking for opportunities is that speed to the idea of speed to engagement. What could I do right when this inquiry or lead comes in to make that experience better that someone else isn't doing and, and help us stand mm-hmm. out? Yeah. Yeah. What, what I love about what you both are saying here too, is it, or it's reminding me of, of this idea that like oftentimes 
when students fill out RFI or RMI forms and they're requesting more information about a major program. And when I talk to admissions counselors or, or graduate program coordinators, people are like frustrated because they're like, well, the questions that come in, like they're on the website, right? Like, or like, you, you know, they're there or they, or they copy and paste something from like their FAQ page and like they get annoyed and whatnot. And, and that's, and that's fine. I, I do think at the graduate level, it's slightly different, but at the undergraduate level, like you're, you're also, you also have to remember that, the, that these students, like they don't necessarily know what questions to ask. Right. And so they, they might be asking a somewhat, a somewhat basic question and yeah, sure. Maybe it is somewhere on your website. Chances are though, that if they're asking you that question it's because they can't find it elsewhere or they can't find it like right. in five seconds. Right. Which is the only amount of time that they're willing to give you before they bounce. Yep. Right. And so I do think one of the, the tool that you're talking about, Angie, for example, the work that you guys have uh, done with Onward, I think what's interesting about that is it also enables students to tell you more about where they're at without having to find the words to do that, right? And by, by exactly. the videos I'm watching or the content that I'm engaging with, how long I watch that video, like my how many times I play it over and whatnot, all those are obviously strong indicators for, for admissions teams around where the student is at in their journey to enrollment. And again, you can harness that data without having to have a student find the words to explain really where they're at. And that, stuff like that is just super powerful. What you're talking about right now, I think the data and the insights are equally as valued as, as the experience you're creating, right? Yeah. So it's like feeding that information. So if, if you are a small enrollment team, you have finite resources, it's really critical um, I like the 20, 60, 20, method, like framework. I always think about the 20% of people are going to start no matter what 20% are going to not start no matter what you do. It's at 60%. Right. And that's really where you want your, you know, your team focusing if you have limited resources, but this will even take that 60% and break that down into a group. That's even more high quality and more interested, more engaged and allow your team to focus on those individuals. So I think the Angie does a killer job and, and their team does a great job of, you know, there's little survey questions sprinkled throughout. So that our, our enrollment teams are, are getting so much great information. So when they do talk to the, to the student, they're so much more prepared. Mm. They're ready to, you know, field the questions and the concerns that the student has and better help that student understand, you know, more about the program, if it's going to be a good fit for, for where they're trying to go, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we, and we like to think about that in a couple of different ways. And I think Clayton, you kind of touched on this, but one is, you know, how engaged is this student? Have they explored, you know, if we can, we'll measure down funnel performance and say, we know that if someone does, you know, takes these five actions within this kind of experience, or even with the, you know, nurturing communication, that they're 25% more likely to enroll. Well, now I can make sure that the admissions team is following up with them even more quickly, or, or just indicate to them that, hey, this person has kind of signaled that their yeah. engagement level is yeah. high. And then on the flip side of that, then you've got all this information that we've kind of, we've created a profile about, you know, an individual user that says, um, not only is this the program and even for example, like this is the creative that that person kind of came in on that maybe it was about, you know, degree completion. So now we know that this person is probably going to be transferring in credit hours and wants to complete their degree. We've also asked questions like, you know, what's, what's your top motivation for getting your degree or what's most important to you. And so now if I'm an admissions rep, when I call and talk to that person or even text them and get them to respond, I have things I can talk about to help, you know, continue yeah. that conversation and make it more meaningful instead of kind of starting from scratch. Yeah. Well, and, and, and be, you know, beyond that, I also imagine like these people, 
if if it's if the data is working correctly and serving up like the highest quality prospects, the highest quality inquiries in any given moment, these people are like likely to respond, right? Like if they really are right. that engaged, right, right now. And if I if I have mm -hmm. like one of the things that I think is always important for people to remember is like a lot of people get into admissions or get into enrollment management because they like they like higher education and they like students. Like they they actually do mm -hmm. like talking to people. It's not like people don't want to cold call people yep. like don't want to pick up the phone no no they, they're fine to call and they, they love texting and whatnot what they don't like is just like no response right they don't like mm -hmm. more engagement and if you as if you if you are a smart enrollment manager if you're a sophisticated higher education marketer and you're finding creative ways to leverage the data that you do have and the data that you are collecting to serve up like hey you know clayton today here are like the 15 people that are indicating that they are like hottest for an outreach right like they they are ripe right like go go after these 15 people and the likelihood of them responding to some sort some form of communication is is very very high and I, I that's where like marketing automation really comes in too and like that's really the power that you can that you can give that really sort of like the gift that you can give your team is like quality information about where people in their pipeline are actually at in this moment and who they should save for tomorrow or next week and who they should communicate mm -hmm. with right now yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, at the same time, it really does kind of put put the prospective student in control too. I think to your point around, it's not that it's not necessarily that, you know, people don't want to talk or have conversations, but they want to talk on their own terms, right? So they might want to text, they might want to, you know, they might want to pick up the phone and call you or schedule an appointment time. So you're really kind of allowing, um, you know, the consumer essentially to be in control of their own path. And I was just going to say too, like what we see with this approach is usually one of two things. Sometimes it's both, but we either usually see if we're pairing this type of a solution uh, with an admissions team, like higher contact rates for this very reason, right? Someone's more engaged now. They're saying, hey, call me at this time versus just waiting, you know, and answering a phone call when we when we um, call them or they've taken enough kind of, you know, engagements or, or interacting right now. So it is a good time to follow up. So we see contact rate, rates go up or we see self-service go up hmm. where someone will actually go ahead and yeah. start and or finish their application on their own, which again, if you think about just frees up time for your team to spend talking to those that need the human interaction and the help um, to take the next step or help help ensure them that they can do this and fit this in their life or whatever it may be. So it's really an interesting way to look at it. I think that's an important point. And I think it's, you know, like the kind of the ultimate goal of creating that experience for the students to be able to self-serve all the way through the process, right? Because I think back 10 years ago, when I used to do enrollment, it was it was kind of that notion of if you don't talk to an individual, they can't be that serious. But I think, I think consumers have changed even, you know, I think, I think that's not necessarily true. Not everybody needs to jump on the phone and talk through things. I, when I went through my master's program, I was, I don't think I talked to anybody the whole time, not even a, <laughs> you know, you know, someone, when I was in the program, I just didn't need it. I knew where to go to look, get the information. And, but I think creating that experience is equally as important because I think you can order a car, you can order a Tesla without talking to anybody. Yeah, right. Like yeah. you should be able to fully apply do. for school. Right. <laughs> people do this all the, yeah. all the time, all the time. So it's like, we, we almost need to think about that as, you know, not everybody has to have that experience in place, but if you have the resources to do it and you have the capability I think you need to think about those those individuals as well. I think it's important to to kind of create that yeah. experience. 
Well, and also think about this buying process, right? Like back to this idea of creating a better experience. Can you think of a more complex buying process than higher ed when it comes to, you know, a more, you know, an undergrad or even graduate program, all the yeah. things you have to do to apply and enroll. It's a lot. It's a lot more than, for example, yeah. Airbnb, you got to put down a credit card and now you've rented a place for a week. Like there's a lot to do. So how do you help someone self-serve through a rather complex, you know, again, just compared to kind of other industries and other buying processes, you know, how do you make sure you're walking someone through and they understand what the next steps are every step of the way? I think a lot of the questions that our admissions team gets are literally just how, what do I do next? How do I do that? Where yeah. do I find this? Yeah. You know, how can we help just take that out of the equation when it comes to, you know, again, like what your admissions reps are spending their time doing? Yeah. You got to wonder as these like alternative education programs, boot camps, et cetera, continue to grow, that might, that might be part of the issue. Like for students who don't want to go through the app process or, you know, maybe they've tried and the experience isn't, is too difficult, too much work. And they elect to go to a boot camp where you log in, fill out your information, hit a button and you're enrolled in a 12 week boot camp. You know, I don't know. It's, I know they're, you know, it, it kind of, it's a different conversation, but I do think the experience is so seamless when you talk about boot camps and credentials. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that's a factor, you know, I was talking to a, um, an individual six months ago who works at a relatively like well-known school. Um, and they were complaining, it was a, a specific graduate program at this school and they were complaining mm -hmm. like the apps were down and, you know, they weren't seeing sort of the, the numbers that they had seen last year, yada, yada. And so I was like on his, uh, application, his program's application page. Um, and I said, Oh, Hey, uh, we'll just call him Jeff. I said, Jeff, um, so, so wait, if, if I'm seeing this correctly, I have to send you an email and request a link to the application. Is, is, is that right? <laughs> is it, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, is, is there, is there any like, like real specific, like logical reason behind that? Like is, you know, and he couldn't come up with one that was you know, that, that, mm -hmm. great. and he said, what, what if you just, what if you just change this and like have it linked directly to like the application? So if, if I wanted to, I could just start it now. He sent me a, a DM on Twitter, like six months later. And was like, dude, we, we made your edit and like, things are looking good. Um, so I, I don't know, I don't know what good means, but like, <laughs> but like, and I know that this is a silly example, but I do, I do think that there are like lots of silly, silly things that like, still exist in higher ed these were the things we just always did it this way or like we didn't know better yep. or we didn't realize that you could link to this thing automatically like and i i think like maybe a helpful takeaway for folks is like just go and find go do a, an audit go through your website go go through you know enroll in one of your your comp flows go click everything and ask yourself is there anything that we could use is there any better way we could you know any more friction that we could reduce any additional place we could splice in some marketing automation magic to expedite this process and or personalize it further uh, and i guarantee there'll probably be at least one or two things that like pr obviously stand out um and that's just a super helpful like very basic and simple way to start oh absolutely yeah, I think removing barriers is is one really easy way to just go look and see where you can find opportunities. The other is, you know, I think you kind of hit on this, but sometimes there are processes in place that we can't change or that, you know, it, it you know, the marketing or admissions level, you know, like a, the usage of a common app or, you know, we mm -hmm. work with a lot of institutions that share an app with some partner schools or whatever. And so 
how can you at least set the stage so that the so that the prospective student understands it so like um we have um a digital experience that really kind of just tees up the application process that it walks people through and so you can kind of go and click around based on kind of where you're at and even if it's clunky at least you're kind of helping someone understand what to expect so yeah. they know that yeah. hey when i click on this thing i'm actually going to have to give a little more information but here's why and you don't have to give all the real reasons behind it as much as just let them know that that's what's going to happen so i think you know looking at it with both of those lenses like what barriers can we remove and how can we just explain and make it clear and also in a repetitive way right like you said earlier like this information might be somewhere else on the website but we all know that like with especially with more complex things like repetition is key right how, how do we help remind someone that this is the next step and that this is something that they'll need to do or that this is what they can expect i think it highlights what you're saying there too that the importance of testing and rinsing and repeating and learning like you can't just deploy these without continually testing and improving the process. So mm -hmm. I think as if you're looking to deploy some kind of automated marketing or, or nurturing, I think you got to make sure you have the mechanisms in place and the processes in place in order to continue tests using that kind of design thinking mentality. It's not a set it and forget it, right? It's, yeah. it's constantly looking for those gaps and iterating and learning and, you know, and, and kind of rinsing and repeating. And it's just, it's a never ending process. And yeah. I think that's where, I, I've seen a lot of partners get in trouble with that because there's just not an infrastructure in place to do that. So you don't maximize and extract the maximum amount of value out of, out of the investment on the yeah. automated side. I'm so glad you brought yeah. that up too, just because <laughs> the number of people that I, again, will say things like, Oh, well we tried this and it's like, okay, so wait, you, you set this up once and you hit on, mm -hmm. turned it on. How often did you tweak it? Did you look at the data? Like, did you like, and, and they yep. didn't like, they, they just don't. Right. So, and you know, I, I think lots of us are guilty of this. It's not just folks in, in higher ed. I think it's, you, you yep. set it and forget it. Right. And yet like the whole point of this is to automate it. So one, you don't have to send again, 16 emails to people every time they come through uh, an inquiry form. But then the, the second reason is you want to learn like which just sticking with email as an example, which email in this sequence has the best open rates and click through rates and why, right? Like, Oh, yep. exactly. you know, when we have a delay of two days, like that's the sweet spot as opposed to seven days, as opposed to 24 hours, right? Like marketing automation should really unveil some really interesting things about what your, what your prospects need, what they want and when they want it. But if you never look and if you never yeah. augment and if you never change, of course it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we were yep. talking earlier about, you know, using tools to to um, deliver a strategy. And this is along the same lines, right? Like you have to know kind of going in, like, what are we gonna measure? What does success look like? How are we gonna know if this is working? Because to your point, setting up, you know, one small thing and you might expect, um, you know, applications to go up or enrollments to go up and they don't. Well, let's start by looking at it at a micro level and see how the individual pieces are performing or see like what emails perform the best. And then, you know, always be, iterating and tweaking from there and just just making it better but i think the flip side of that too is like don't be afraid to start small and just make yeah. it make the experience you have today better and then just continue to layer on top of that like continue to personalize continue to offer you know more segmented paths and specific communication for specific types of students and those types of things but you know i think trying to, waiting to implement all of it versus you know don't don't um go all out for best when you could get better you know yeah well said well said yeah. 
Well, folks, this has been uh, fun, and I really appreciate you all taking time to think through these questions and and share your thoughts. Um, I, I really do want to give a quick plug for for Onward because I do think like you guys have built a solution that like really helps with with a lot of what we've discussed today. So, if folks want to learn a little bit more about Archer's uh, marketing automation technology stack. Uh, is what I'm calling it. Um, I, you guys probably have better positioning, but if you folks want to learn about like the Onward tool and understand how they can better utilize marketing automation in their respective contexts, like what's the best way for them to to get in touch specifically about about that tool? Yeah, um, so you can go to our website, archeredu.com, and there's a whole section on Onward and you can learn more about what it is and what it does. And then right there on the page, you can either kind of take it for a test drive, see a demo experience. You can reach out to us and set up a one-on-one -on -one demo. Um, and you can just reach out and call us for more info as well. But I'd say that's that's your most direct path. You can also reach out to Clayton or myself or any anyone at Archer directly and we'll, we'll get back in touch with you as well. One thing I will say on uh, with Arch or Archer with uh, Onward is we we built it to be a a solution that we manage as well. So it's not mm. something that even for small like we did it thinking about smaller teams who don't have the resources to continually optimize and manage and scale something. So we kind of built that with you know with that in mind. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really it's super exciting. I, I you know we're we're seeing a lot of great results and. Um, you know, it's just kind of a, a, a neat thing that a lot of folks are benefiting from. Yeah. That's a good call out there, Clayton, because we get asked a lot, like, how is this different from some of the other marketing automation tools that are out there? And I think two things mm -hmm. come to mind. And one is what Clayton just described. Like, this isn't just a tool that we hand over. We actually have a team of specialists here that are implementing it and optimizing, just like we've been talking about. Like, we're always looking for ways to improve. Um you know, but the the other piece is that, um, you know, it's not just automation. In fact, automation is kind of secondary to these digital experiences that we build that are specific to kind of where someone's at in their journey. So definitely check it out because I know it's a lot. It's a little bit of a different approach than you may have heard about before with when it comes to marketing automation. So I think, you know, um, read more about it and see if see if you think that makes sense for for your institution and then reach out to us. Yep. We'd be happy to talk to you about it. Yeah, and we'll, mm -hmm. for everyone tuning in, we'll have all the links that Angie and Clayton just mentioned in the show notes. So you could just scroll on down, make it really, really easy. Uh, we're trying to reduce a little bit of friction in your own buying experience here. Um, <laughs> right. Love thank it. you guys for your time. It's been a, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Zach.